Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to answer the question, is not talking to my child's OCD making them suffer? Suffer in silence, making them feel like I don't care. What is it doing to them? And that's a super common question I get from parents who are raising kids with OCD because one of the first things that most OCD therapists teach parents is to pull back their accommodations and their reassurance and not to talk to OCD. And I'm going to talk to you today in this episode about, I'm going to flesh out a little bit more about how to do it in a, in a compassionate, caring sort of way for our kids because I do think that sometimes parents hear this and they cut their kids off cold cold turkey, or it's a turkey. (laughs) It's like my New Jersey's coming out in me. I was, I lived in New Jersey. I was born in New York. So there you know, a little bit more about me. And I also want to talk about how it's helping your kids long-term. So I want to go and kind of pull the curtain back and explore this more thoroughly so that you can feel good about what you're doing because innately it feels counterintuitive. It feels really weird to not swoop in and give our kids the reassurance that we know will create some short-term calm in their world. And so we will discuss that in detail and you're going to feel much better about it, hopefully, when we're done. But before we get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child, just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. The link is in the show notes. Okay. So let's explore this. I want to first just start with the basics because some of you might be new and being like, wait, what? I'm not supposed to talk to their OCD. (laughs) So I want to touch on that just briefly, but I want to spend the bulk of this episode on how you are helping your child, not hurting them. And so briefly, When your child has OCD, it is a family affair more often than not. It's very rare that I meet a family that is not somehow looped into their child's OCD if their child's living at home, especially. And so in the way that we're talking about it today, we're talking about you talking to your child's OCD. So that is when your child is needing something verbally from you. So swooping very far back, very briefly, OCD is having an intrusive thought or feeling, and the need to do or avoid something to get brief relief. The more you do or avoid to get that brief relief, the bigger the OCD grows long-term. Scientifically, those neural pathways are growing, and so the OCD is literally growing stronger in our children's brains. Just like if our child is learning a, a new language, they're learning Spanish, the more they learn that, the more they practice that, the neural pathways get stronger, and the easier that connection and it grows, that knowledge grows. Same thing with OCD. The more our kids do their compulsions, the more they avoid uh, or do the compulsions, the physical or mental compulsions, the stronger those neural pathways grow and the stronger OCD becomes. And so that is what we're trying to work on. Now, lucky for us, and I say lucky because you're like, what? OCD does involve us at times. And that is lucky because when it does involve us, 
we have some power and control to remove our component in that OCD loop, that OCD cycle. And so if you think about like A equals intrusive thought or feeling, and I say feeling because it's not always a fear. It could be a feeling of disgust, or it could be a feeling of things not just right. It could be feelings. Um, There is a fear that that feeling won't ever go away. So there is that core fear still. But I, so that's why I always say core intrusive thoughts or feelings. And so, you know, that's A, that's A. And then B is the, is the doing part. So I'm actively going to avoid, or I'm actively going to do something that's a compulsion, mental or physical to get that brief relief. So when I am part of, as a parent, when I am part of the B, then the C doesn't happen. And the C is the loop that goes right back to the OCD and grows it bigger. I wish I can show you. (laughs) I'm a visual learner. And so I would draw you a big circle and I'd be like A and then B and then C is the completion of the loop. You can see it in your head, right? So we are sometimes the C and that is convenient, annoying, but convenient in the sense that we can pull back our role in that and then the, the, the loop does not get completed. Now, OCD is smart and it's playing chess, not checkers. So you make a move and then it will outsmart you with another move and then you have to outsmart it with a move and back and forth it goes. It's not straightforward, but we are doing our part in not participating in the loop, which is the first step in the onion. If we're peeling back the onion and the core is long-term success, the first layer of the onion is getting our involvement out of the picture. That is an important component. Now you might say, yeah, but Natasha, if you say like OCD is just going to then, you know, outsmart me and not need my involvement for the loop. So what's the point? Well, the point is until you get out of the loop, your child can't make progress because you're part of the loop. You're the first layer. And so you can't get to the core of the onion if you can't take the first layer off, right? You're in the way. So we have to get out of the way so then our child can feel the full impact of now I am fully, solely responsible for my compulsions. And, and ultimately they are in charge of their success or their, their long-term struggles. Like we can't fully control that. And I know so many parents and myself included raising kids with OCD wish that were not true. I mean, I, you know, people will argue with me, well, I can't just let them, you know, have OCD or I can't just let them have these compulsions. And it's like, you know, you can't just let your child have diabetes or asthma. Like it is their thing. You know, my child might have asthma and they might be at track and I'm not with them. And they have an asthma attack. They're going to need to know how to use their inhaler. They're going to have to know how to identify their signs, those physical distresses to, to let someone know that they're having a hard time. It's the same thing with OCD. We, we are not with them in their journey. We're not in their heads. We, so even if you physically stop them from doing, you know, physical compulsions, they can do mental compulsions. And so the, the goal overall is to empower our kids to help themselves. And our job as parents or caregivers or relatives or therapists even is to pull back any of our involvement in growing the OCD. So get out of the way, peel the first layer of the onion, and then is to educate ourselves. Well, maybe that's the first part. Fully educate yourselves on what is OCD, how it shows up, the many disguises it wears, your enrollment, your enrollment, I say enrollment, <laughs> your role in it, and also um, like what role you're going to play. And so are you going to be the OCD police, which isn't going to be helpful? Are you going to be a coach? And you can't coach something that you don't understand. So you have to start with understanding. And that is why I have created a whole online school 
called atparentingsurvivalschool.com for parents to, you know, get that information within three hours. I actually made it. And then even when families would come into my therapy practice, I'd say, you know, save three sessions of your money and here's a coupon code for my course and just take my course and then come back. And we're going to have a much deeper dive in helping your child with a shorter period of time in therapy, you know? And so the same time I take you to watch a movie, a very long movie, but you know, a movie, nonetheless, you would have all the foundational information that you need on your child's OCD. So you can be their coach. I actually did recently create a kids and teens course on OCD as well, because how I teach kids directly and teens directly is different than how I teach you. So the parent course is more about like what's I teach you all the fundamentals of OCD, but talking to you as a parent and the kid course talks to them as kids. And then I teach you your role. And so the parent course is different. It's like, how do you become a coach? How do you support your child? How do you do ERP? And the kid and teen one is talking to them directly about how do they do this stuff themselves and how do they see you as an ally and support instead of um, an adversary, which sometimes kids do because the parents are taking the rein and trying to steer the car and it's not their car to drive. (laughs) As much as we want to drive that car, it's not our car to drive. So you can check all that out at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. But I want to talk about the pulling back. And so the first step is identifying what am I participating in? And when your kids start to own their own OCD journey, which can happen over time, they'll tell you. Um, my son recently told me, my son's 13, and he's been struggling with his OCD since he was very little. I'm trying to think. Maybe like eight was when it really got really bad, when we first really started to notice that this was going to become a, a very big issue. And he was very shut down. There was not a lot of communication. It was just all anger. It was very hard to talk to him. And so I'm sharing that because he's 13 now. And what I'm about to tell you is going to sound pretty impressive, but it's been a long journey of working on our communication and our trust. I do have a whole podcast on that. What episode is that? I just recorded it. So it was episode 291, the first steps to progress, trust and communication. And that was a request from somebody in my AT parenting community, I think, on wanting to me to do that topic. But He said to me recently, what was he saying? He was saying something that I did not realize was a compulsion. He was saying, oh, I feel bad. And so he has, he's been having more moral OCD, which is a new flavor, which is why parents really need to understand all the disguises of OCD because it doesn't stay in its lane. Um, And I would say OCD subtypes, which your child can have multiple at any given time, look vastly different. And so my child who has ARFID, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, so his intrusive thoughts are all around food, that's his primary issue. That looks so different than him feeling like he's a bad person and having to do compulsions to feel better. And so that went missed for a little while because that wasn't one of his themes, but some of his compulsions with moral OCD involved me. And so some of them would be, he would say, I'm sorry. And that was an obvious one that eventually I realized you're saying I'm sorry a lot. Another one which went unnoticed for quite a while, because I thought he was just being polite, is he would say, thank you. Thank you so much, mom. And it was the same sentence every time. And that should have been a a pretty big clue. But when you're so close to it, you're going to miss these things. I miss these things. Even though I can see it a mile away in your kid, I can't see it a mile away in my own. (laughs) That's just the curse of being a parent. And so he would say stuff like, 
thank you so much, mom, for taking us here. And thank you so much, mom, for getting us this. Thank you so much, mom, for getting us this food. And I started to get suspicious when he was saying that for things that I knew he wasn't enjoying or didn't want to go to. But then when he was saying things for things that I knew he didn't want to go to, or that were like uncomfortable for him to go to, then I realized that was definitely OCD. And that was my involvement. And so I would say to him, oh, you're welcome. Or thanks for being so, you know, uh, grateful or whatever. I would really feed into it. And then once we realized that these were examples of me talking to his OCD and not him, then we had to come up with a plan. And so a lot of times when you're talking to your child's OCD, it's not always bad. So we think about them saying things like, you know, mom, you know, is it this, is this safe to eat or is this going to hurt me or is this poisonous or has this expired or is this fully cooked? Or do you think I'm going to throw up? Or do you think I'm okay? Or do you think I will die? Or do you think this is safe? Or do you think that they're okay? Or do you think that I was a bad person because I did this, or I, I said that, or I thought this, or I might do that, or I did do this, or I think I'm going to do that, right? All those kind of questions are obvious once you become seasoned in OCD. But the ones that are less obvious are the I love yous, and we don't want that to be a compulsion, right? Um, or asking for permission, you know, can I take another drink from the refrigerator when they don't normally have to ask? Can I take a shower? Is it okay if I do this? Right? So asking a lot of questions or, or permission, or when your child says, I love you, and they want you to say, I love you back. And you can tell that it's a compulsion sometimes when they get really upset when you don't say it back in the way that they want you to say it. As I'm saying this, I just realized last night that my daughter, who also has having some moral OCD themes recently, um, I think she said, I love you. And I don't think I said, I love you back. And she's like, you, I said, I love you. I said, I love you. You have to say, I love you back. And that like, that, that feeling of upsetness and that like persistence for me to respond, you know, is a red flag. And she's had things like that before where she'll say, uh, I'll see you in the morning. And I have to say, I see you in the, I'll see you in the morning too. Or she is afraid that, you know, I'll die or she'll die. And so looking for these things that you're part of the loop is important. And And then once I notice them, you know, then I talk to my child and I'll say, you know, I notice that you're always saying, I'll see you in the morning and that you get really upset if I don't say it back. Do you think that might be O-Cloud? And I I do like to personify and name OCD if the child is open to that. And so my kids have names for it. And so I don't say that's your OCD or I think that's OCD or do you think that's your OCD? I kind of pose it more as a question. I wonder if that's O-Cloud. Because I don't want to be the OCD police and I want to give them some space to tell me or to think about it themselves. And so, you know, my kids generally are pretty good about identifying and admitting that, yeah, I think that is my OCD. Sometimes kids may not know. They might need some help. It's not that they're trying to hide it. And some kids might be too defensive. And so that's why you have to go back to that podcast on trust and communication. Because if you don't have that, then your kids will shut down and they won't say anything. And so in that instance, my daughter said, yeah, I think that's O-Cloud. I'm worried that you might die. And if you don't say it back, so then we come up with a plan. And, you know, you can take my example and replace it with whatever's going on at your house. But I said, so when you say, I'll see you tomorrow, what do you think I should respond if we know that it's growing O-Cloud? Now, again, we've done a lot of, a lot of work to, to get to this point where I can say those things and coach my daughter in that way. So you might have some work to do before you can get to this point. And that's why 
when parents hear someone say, you know, you need to just pull back your reassurance and not talk to your OCD, and they go radio silent, and then their child gets really distressed, well, of course they do because you haven't really done any of the foundational work that you need to do in order to get to that point. I don't recommend that parents stop providing that reassurance without first, one, educating their child on what is OCD. Two, how reassurance grows OCD. I have a whole YouTube video on that. And three, what you're going to do instead as a response because you love them and having it be somewhat collaborative. Even if your child is not wanting to collaborate, you're at least trying to collaborate with them by saying, what would you like me to say? So that's what I was doing with my daughter, right? I was going through this process. One, I noticed that there was a behavior that I felt like might be OCD. Two, I approached her and I said, I wonder if this might be an O-Cloud issue. I let her process that. And then three, we started to collaborate and come up with a plan. I wonder what I should do. Again, Socratic questioning and thinking instead of being direct. I wonder what you think we should do if that is growing your O-Cloud. And then she thinks about it. And because we have trust and communication and engagement and motivation, which are other areas you have to build, she said to me, well, I guess maybe you shouldn't respond. And I said, okay, that's a, that's a good idea. So from now on, I won't respond. And then, so we started that for a little while. And then I said, I wonder if there's something I can do to really poke back at O'Cloud. And so later down the road, she said, you know, if you said, I won't see you in the morning, that would really upset my O'Cloud. And I said, I think that's wonderful. Now, granted, at that point, we had a point system, bravery points, she's earning things. There's a lot of foundational stuff that goes on that I teach you in the AT Parenting Survival course, how to teach your kids to crush OCD. Like there's a lot of stuff that is in place. I have a behavior modification plan in place. I have trust and communication in place. I have dialogue. I have language. My kids know what OCD is. Um, We have named it and personified it. So there's these elements that are important. So don't rush into these things without having some of this foundational stuff in place, you'll feel better when you do it because you know, you're not leaving your child hanging. And so I started to say to her, you know, I won't see you in the morning. And that actually really upset me too, because it was very triggering for me because I had just gotten through a trauma where my husband didn't wake up, you know, and then died in his sleep. And so to, to say to my daughter, I won't see you in the morning was like really like traumatic for me, but I wanted to do that for her because her OCD had glummed on to our loss and was making it a compulsion. And I didn't want, I wanted her to be okay. And so she doesn't have that anymore. Yes, we have other issues, but OCD is like an octopus. I actually have a YouTube video on this as well. When I say I have a YouTube video on it, you can go to my YouTube channel. You can type in Natasha Daniels on YouTube and my channel will pop up. And then you can go to my channel and search and you can type in octopus and it will pop up. Um, A keyword will pop up. So just so that you know, when I'm saying these things, or you can always go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com and there's a search button and type in anything I'm referencing and it will pop up um, just so that you know. So, you know, we are, we are attacking the whole beast and this is just one tentacle. And so, yeah, it'll be a new tentacle or a new flavor coming at me, but that doesn't take away all the progress we're making on the whole beast. So going all the way back to what I was talking about with my son, I didn't forget. I know you thought I forgot, but I am I was holding that in my head very tightly because I have a very bad memory and a weird voice too. So he had said, 
yesterday, uh, you know, mom, I think when I say, oh, I feel bad, that's a compulsion. And I realized lately he hasn't been saying I'm sorry or thank you, but he's been saying out loud, oh, I feel bad. Oh, I feel bad. And I have been saying to him, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And so my part in the loop was still there. Now, even if I remove that, he might still say that. And then I have to move into coaching to say the usual stuff that we teach kids with OCD. You know, can you delay it? Can you ignore it? Can you even do the opposite and say, I don't feel bad? And he has been doing that lately. Sometimes he'll say, and I don't feel bad about it. And I know that he's just doing that to push back on his OCD. So um, when we get back from the break, I'm going to talk to you about why this is going to help your child long-term, how it's helping your child long-term, and how to do it in a way that is loving and compassionate. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. (laughs) I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Well, welcome back. So let's talk about how this is helping long-term. So when we pull out of that loop, we are having our child hold the full weight of their intrusive thought or feeling. And a lot of times parents will say, Well, now they're just suffering silently. 
That's that's the thing that I hear the most. Now they're just suffering silently and they're not telling me anything and I feel really bad. I could tell in their head that they look distressed and I feel so bad that they're not allowed to talk to me about it. The first thing I'd want to say in response to that is you're not talking to your child when you are talking to your child's OCD. They are two separate things. So when your child's OCD says, I love you, and it wants you to say, I love you too, or when your child says, do you think I'm going to throw up? And you say, you're fine. You won't throw up. You are purely talking to your child's OCD. You're not having a dialogue with your child. And sometimes it it can get confusing. Um, My daughter has a lot of existential OCD and like big space overwhelms her. Um, So like mountains or clouds, and it will not sound always like I'm talking to her OCD. Uh, Recently, she'll say things like, mom, look at those clouds. They're so upsetting. Like, look how big they are. They just um, look at, look at that pattern in them. And I know because now I've seen a pattern in her behavior that I'm, that's not her comment. That is an OCD comment. She's not necessarily looking for me to complete a loop, but I am recognizing as she's saying that out loud, that if I was to get into a dialogue about that, I'm not talking to her. We were on a road trip and she saw these big mountains and she, she was sitting in the front. She goes, oh, those mountains make me so uncomfortable. Now, if I wanted to like get into a rational discussion with her about the mountains, that would be quicksand because I have learned because I've done that. <laughs> I've learned from my mistakes. So you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them. When you get into a conversation, you're like halfway through and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not talking to my kid. I'm talking to their OCD. It doesn't mean that your child's being possessed and they have multiple personalities and you're talking to a different entity through your child. I know it it can sound that way when I'm describing it, but what I'm saying is your child is needing something from you to get brief relief from their OCD and they're wanting to scratch an itch. And when they scratch that itch, those neural pathways grow stronger and the OCD grows stronger and it doesn't go away. And so when you see your child in distress and they're having thoughts, you could tell they're having thoughts, but they're not coming to you. They're not confessing anymore. And you think, well, this is what I was supposed to do, but my child doesn't look well. They look like they are overwhelmed. That is part of the process. Your child isn't going to not feel distress when you pull your part from that loop. They're wanting to complete that loop and you're not allowing that loop to be completed. And so there is distress. However, they have to learn how to sit with the discomfort of those thoughts. And, you know, it's kind of like if you, and it's not exactly like, but if you had a mosquito bite and you had a little baby and they really want to scratch or they have like chicken pox or something, you know, and you put cloth over their hands so they don't scratch their face and develop like scabs or long-term infections. And the baby is not feeling satisfied because they can't fully get to that itch and they really want to. And so your baby cries and fusses and feels uncomfortable, but they learn how to tolerate the the itches, the itches. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. And they heal and eventually they're not feeling the itch anymore and it goes away. It is similar in that your child is learning how to sit with the discomfort. Yes, they might develop other compulsions to scratch their own itch, but if you are educating them and providing them with tools and therapy and books and resources and courses, to understand how to empower themselves and how to respond to OCD in what can feel like a counterintuitive way, your child will learn how to not scratch that itch for themselves. And so that's the second layer of the onion, right? But you're the first layer and you have to get out of the way. And so, yes, you might see your child look distressed 
and they may not share information with you. And that's okay. They're learning how to sit with those feelings without doing compulsions. And that's the education piece is you want to teach them what is a mental compulsion. I have a YouTube video on that so that they're not doing something in their head to offer their own reassurance. Um, I think that's really important. When you're pulling back your reassurance, teach your child about mental compulsions. Teach them how to handle their intrusive thoughts. I have videos, tons of videos on how to handle intrusive thoughts. What is a mental compulsion? Those are things you want to educate your kids on at the same time that you're pulling back your reassurance so that they have the tools to perhaps sarcastically agree with their intrusive thoughts or to sit, just sit with their thoughts, to not argue with their thoughts themselves or try to prove to themselves why they are not a bad person or why they won't throw up or whatever their particular theme may be. That's a key component. But seeing distress on their face, it's like watching someone go to the gym and they're lifting weights and they look like they're in anguish. Well, yeah, because they are building muscle. They're building tolerance to handle something that's heavy and difficult. And it's the same thing for our kids with OCD. And so there are components that you want to make sure that you're doing. And I think that parents jump into it without having those components. And so therefore it does feel bad, but it doesn't take much to get the things that I'm talking about in line. Now, if you have a child who doesn't want anything to do with learning about OCD, and so you can't do the things that I talked about. You can't set up bravery points because they don't want any and they don't want to talk about it. That doesn't mean that you don't educate them and say, I love you. And so I'm not going to talk to your OCD anymore because that grows it bigger. And from now on, when you ask me this, This is what I'm going to say because I love you. It's still really helpful to notify them and let them know that this is what's going to be happening. And so do that that piece. Um, If you feel like you need some extra help, you can check out Ellie Leibowitz's space program. I did create a whole study guide course from his book. Um, His book is Breaking Free from Childhood Anxiety and OCD. And some people wanted more videos and worksheets around that. And so I did create a course based on his book. And that is a parent only accommodation approach where you're pulling back your accommodations systematically without your child's involvement or buy-in. And so it's a parent only approach. And that's a really good approach, especially if you have a child who's not engaged in treatment and they don't want to talk about it, then you can go into that systematic approach because it's small baby steps. You don't have to pull back all your reassurances, um, but it is good to identify which ones you're not going to do anymore communicate that to your child and be consistent with that particular one that you are choosing not to do. And overall, you want to eventually get rid of all your layers in the onion so that you're not part of that. So your child can continue on without you kind of being in the way of their progress. Because ironically, we can be in their way in order, you know, they're not making progress because we are in the way we are completing their OCD loop for them. And yes, there's satisfaction in getting that brief relief and seeing our child get that instant relief that we know they want. But if you think about those neural pathways, you just are helping growing them. Like you're mowing down that lawn and and way, you know, paving that area and putting concrete on it and turning it into a six lane highway. And that's not what we want. Now, short term, you know, you can't pull pull back on everything. It's going to take some time and that's okay. So you don't want to also get overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't want to grow their neural highways. And so I need to stop it all cold turkey. That's not going to help. It has to be a slow process. And the last thing I want to mention before I wrap up this episode is that just because you're not tra- talking to your child's OCD doesn't mean that you have to be one, completely radio silent. 
And so having an empathic response can be helpful. Like, I love you. And so I'm not going to talk to your OCD. Or it sounds like OCloud is trying to talk to me and tell OCloud, I love you. So I'm not going to talk to it. Eventually, that might be enough for your child's OCD to know that you heard them, what they said, and that they're good. And so over time, some parents have had to move to the point where they don't say anything because even acknowledging a response period like OCD is very creative and very smart. And so it will outsmart you eventually and say, well, as long as you respond, I know that you heard me. Or even if you say, oh, that's your O cloud, then it's like, that's reassurance. Like, okay, it's my OCD. So I know it's not me. But in the beginning, I I tend to have parents just say, you know, that's your O cloud. Tell your O cloud, I'm not going to talk to it. Yeah, you will get an angry response. And so sometimes parents will say to me, I don't think this is working, Natasha, because my child's not happy about it. They seem like they're getting worse. They're really angry. Yeah, they're going to get worse because you're not completing the loop. And so like an OCD, the OCD is going to have a tantrum. An OCD is like a two-year-old. And so when you tell a two-year-old, you're not going to get that cookie. I'm not going to give it to you. The two-year-old is going to fall onto the floor and kick and scream and have a huge meltdown because it didn't get its way. And you're going to see that in your kids most likely if you're not getting, you know, if you don't have a lot of the foundational long-term work that, you know, that I've done in my house, right? I don't get that response because we've done a lot of work, but early on in this game, it's not really a game. It doesn't feel like a fun game, but early on in this journey, you're going to see that. And that does not mean that it's not the right response and that it's not going to help your child long-term. It's just a two-year-old tantrum. The OCD is having a tantrum. It didn't get its way. It wants you to complete the loop. That normally extinguishes, especially when you are consistent. When you're erratic, and sometimes you give in and sometimes you don't and, and there's no pattern or consistency, you're going to make your child's head spin and you're going to make the OCD worse because you're not being consistent. Just like a two-year-old, you have to be consistent. And so even if you're not ready to pull back everything, be consistent with what you do pull back on. And if you cave after four hours of them screaming, you just reinforced four hours of screaming, just like you would with a toddler. And so if you need to get other relatives to support you if you need to create some sort of chain of support where you know you have a tag in system and maybe you're the aunt or the uncle takes over for you if you need to get a community to help you support you with this then that might be what you need maybe you need to go to a psychiatrist and reassess medications but getting that support but the answer can never be i just need to go back to reassuring and completing the ocd loop because it will never be enough for ocd and it will demand more and more and more. It's not just, let me answer this one question. It will be another question. And then you have to answer that question in a certain way and it will grow over time. And that is not good for your child's long-term success, self-esteem and happiness. And we don't want that. So I hope you found this helpful. Oh, the other thing I just really want to quickly mention before I wrap up is you can still talk to your child. (laughs) You can still talk to your child about their OCD. That is something that a lot of parents also misconstrue is that they can't talk about their child's OCD at all. And that's not the case. You just don't want to scratch the itch. And so if you initiate a time and maybe you come, you know, set a a reminder on your phone and you do it, don't do it consistently at the same time every day because then your child's OCD will say, okay, well, at five o'clock, she's going to ask me and I'll just tell her all my confessions then. Don't do that. Be a little unpredictable to your child. But if you initiate a conversation where, you know, once a day or once a week or once a month, whatever it is for you and your child, you sit down and you say, talk to me about O-Cloud. And I'm saying O-Cloud just to give you an example of the personification. 
Talk to me about OCloud. How's OCloud working for you? What type of intrusive thoughts and feelings are you having? That is not going to be a confession at that point because they are, or it'll be less likely because they are not having an intrusive thought in that moment that they're wanting you to scratch that itch. And so when we initiate conversations and we just want to touch base and see how things are going, um, you can do that because it's not your child eliciting some response from you. Because when they're doing that, they're normally having an intrusive thought or feeling in that moment and they're wanting that relief from you in that interaction. So I just want to say that because it is important to touch base with your child periodically and find out the themes that they're struggling with and the thoughts and and what's happening with that. Uh, You have to keep tabs on that and make sure it doesn't get overwhelming. Like you think they're like listing things off and they're saving them for you to discuss. And if you think that is the case, just say, I don't need to know the details. Just give me broad strokes, like intrusive thoughts about school, or I'm having, I feel like I'm a bad person in general. You can prompt them to go broader if you feel like they're telling you very specific details because they're wanting to get your reassurance. And this would look like, you know, I feel like I told, I feel like I called the teacher fat in my head. Do you think that's bad? Well, in that moment, as you're discussing it, they're eliciting some sort of reassurance. So you just have to be a little bit um, savvy about that. Okay. Well, that's all I wanted to say about it. I hope that you found this helpful. If you are, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Um, And if you are able to write a review, I greatly appreciate that. And that is what I was trying to pull up. I was trying to multitask and pull up a review to say thank you to. So I want to thank Dishu9280, who wrote the most helpful podcast for parents and clinicians. Natasha, I can't thank you enough for the work you do for the OCD community. I am also an OCD specialist and a mother of a child with OCD. I stumbled upon your podcast and YouTube channel when the OCD beast hit us at home. It gave me a different perspective to what it's truly like for those we treat with OCD, the struggle the parents go through, and a new love of treating OCD. Well, thank you for taking time to write the review. I really appreciate that. And I think it's so true. I think like when we are a clinician, I was a clinician before I had kids diagnosed with OCD and anxiety. And I do feel like it gives so much more perspective and we become such better clinicians because we get it on a gut level. And we can see it from the parental perspective, which is, you know, it's a gift. It's not a gift that we wanted, but it it is a gift because it makes us much better clinicians, I think. So thank you for taking the time to write a review. I really appreciate that. And maybe if you write a review, I'll be reading yours next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.